The scripture reading today is from the 12th chapter of Gospel of Mark, verses 1 through 12. Then he began to speak to him in, to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others. Some they beat, and others they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give them the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they left him and went away. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Compassionate God, all creation delights in your presence through your word. May the wisdom of your spirit bring understanding into our minds and truth into our hearts, that we may see how to praise and serve you through the example of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Have you ever felt rejected? Has someone ever made you feel unwelcome or unwanted through their words or their actions and their attitudes? Maybe you finally worked up the nerve to ask that special guy or girl out, and they turned you down. They rejected you. Maybe an institution or an organization has rejected you. Maybe you weren't accepted by the college that you wanted to go to the most. Or maybe the job of your dreams came open, but they passed you over for someone else. How does rejection feel? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts a lot. Most people at one point or another will experience some type of hurt, some type of rejection. Few escape it, but it seems like there are others for whom their lives are steeped in rejection. And when we experience rejection, one of two things typically happens. First, we can use that experience to make ourselves more resilient for the future. Or second, we can become hardened and bitter. Rejection can make us either more compassionate, compassionate when we have to let others down, or it can make us cold and judgmental, even angry. See if this story sounds at all familiar to you. There was a young man whose life began with handicaps and disadvantages. His mother had been married three times. His father died before he was even born. 
His mother gave him no affection, no love, no discipline. She never really taught him anything in those early years. So he went out, when he went off to school, it was pretty hard. The other children, probably because he had no social skills, rejected him. And when he was 13, a school psychologist wrote a note in his school file saying that he didn't seem to have any understanding of the meaning of the word love. Later on in adolescence, girls would have nothing to do with him, and boys only tried to provoke him into fights. He failed out of high school and decided to try to find brotherhood or some sense of family in the military. He tried to join the Marines, but that didn't last. He had no basis upon which to build relationships of any type. He was court-martialed and left the military after a really short time there. He did eventually get married, but you know that saying about how we marry our parents? Well, he married his mother, who didn't treat him well, and they eventually divorced. Finally, he got to the breaking point. He could no longer take any more of this constant life of rejection. No one wanted him. No one had ever, ever wanted him. So one day he woke up, he grabbed a rifle and brought it to his new job in a book depository in Dallas, Texas. And shortly after 12 p.m. on November 22, 1963, Lee Harvey Oswald shot and killed President John F. Kennedy. Rejection is tied intrinsically, this systemic rejection is tied to the story of God's people in Scripture as well. They were constantly a group that was rejected. The mighty nations of their time looked down upon God's people because they behaved so differently from everyone else. Here was God telling them that they were a set-apart chosen people, a people set apart as God's people, while everyone else around them treated them with disdain. They rejected God's people as just too different. But God continually called them to be God's people. God called them God's cornerstone. In our passage from Mark, Jesus was actually quoting Psalm 118, verse 21, saying, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The psalmist is referring to the people of Israel, God's people there. God has chosen God's people to become the cornerstone of society, to be the stone to which everyone else would align themselves. The psalmist wanted the people, God's people, who were undergoing rejection at that time, to become powerful and respected and honored, to use the rejection that they were experiencing to make them more resilient, not bitter. You see, in ancient times, a cornerstone was the most important stone in the entire building. Builders would spend as much time as they needed making sure that that first stone was level and set properly because it established the ground level of the building. It ensured that the building's foundation was solid and set right. All the other stones in the building were going to be aligned to this cornerstone if it was off at all, the rest of the building would be off. The cornerstone kept them straight and level and secure. 
Now today, builders use modern tools like laser beams and electronic levels that I know nothing about. I only read about them. Those things help them make sure that that building is straight and level. And today, we do have cornerstones, but they aren't the most important stone of the building necessarily. Usually, they list the name of the benefactor and when the building was built. The function of a cornerstone has clearly changed over time. In our parable today in Mark, Jesus is using the same words of the psalmist, trying to teach the very same lesson that the psalmist taught, that God had provided them with everything they needed to be content and happy. All they had to do was remain faithful to God and righteous people. When people slipped and God sent priests and prophets to warn them, God's people rejected God's messengers. You heard that in the passage. They insulted them. They beat them. In some cases, they killed them. Through this parable, Jesus is prophetically suggesting that if God were to send God's son, God's only son, then the people would reject and kill him as well. Do you remember back in high school English when you learned about foreshadowing? That's what Jesus is doing here. So what does this all mean for us today? Jesus has been set up as the cornerstone of our churches, and not just the figurehead, not just the one whose name is etched on the rock. Jesus has set the moral standard of loving God and loving our neighbor with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, right? Everything we do, everything, every decision we make in our denomination, as well as here at Buda UMC, everything is always exactly in alignment with Jesus' Jesus's message of loving God and loving our neighbor. Always, right? Always. <laughs> That's right, we try. We try to do that. That was sort of a little test, see if you're awake. We try, but we forget sometimes, don't we? We get concerned and distracted about our budgets and our expenses, and we forget that we are living in so much abundance compared with, the most, of, with most of the world. There are many, many churches around the world that would love to have our budget and who might use that budget to love God and their neighbor maybe even better than we do. We also, we resist change. We try to protect our own church experience over what others might experience here in this space. We forget to love our neighbor. We, and by we, I actually mean I. <laughs> I focus on how many people are here on Sunday morning. And I forget to nurture the relationships that we have in this room with one another. I worry, is coronavirus going to send everyone away? We reject all these blessings that we have always in search of more and better. We forget to love God and love our neighbor. We lose the direction of our cornerstone, and we become misaligned as a church. As a denomination, we have allowed our differences to alienate us from one another. Forgetting that the Apostle Paul taught us that in Christ we are one. One. Forgetting that John Wesley said, though we cannot think alike, may we love alike. 
May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. That one's really good. I'm going to read it one more time. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Both the Apostle Paul and John Wesley were urging us not to shift away, not to turn away from our cornerstones, not to fall off our foundations, not to become bitter, but to become more resilient. Friends, a number of you have talked to me because you've read pieces that are indicating that our denomination is heading once again for some big decisions about our future. I have held off saying very much, not because I'm trying to be quiet, but mostly because I don't know what's going to happen. Everything's very uncertain. And we did so much talking and prepping for last year when they did this. And I don't want us to feel like we're in that spot again when everything seems to change. I know that some of us felt pretty bitter and rejected by what happened. And I don't want to take, that same, take you down that same path of discernment and processing when I actually think the plans and protocols that people are lifting up right now don't really have much stability with them. They're even more tentative. But let me share this. I've talked with friends who are in a much better position than I am to discern what might be happening. They have access to all the documents. <clears throat> and these are friends who accurately predicted the outcome of last year's general conference. And I think, based upon what they share, it looks more and more like at the conference and maybe the church level at some point, we will be asked to make a decision about the future of our church. And again, if I knew what those decisions were, I, I would tell you, and as soon as I have more information, I will tell you, but I just don't. I can't predict it. There are so many plans and protocols and proposals out there, all of which can be changed between now and May. So I, again, I do promise to keep you updated as I know more. So what do we do in the meantime? Isn't that always the question? We pray, always. And I think we keep our eye on our cornerstone. We keep aligning ourselves to our cornerstone. As we continue to the, do the work here to build Buda UMC, as we make decisions that impact the future, we align this church with the moral compass that Jesus has set for us to love God and love our neighbor, to reject and despise nobody. There is no room for rejection in the kingdom of God. Look into the face of the person you would reject at the door of this church, and you will see the face of a person who Jesus loves. If you reject those people, just like God's chosen people, according to the psalmist, and just like the Jewish leaders of his time, if you reject people, you reject Jesus. So once again, you have a stone in your hand. And this stone today represents all the things that you have or will, that have or will get in the way of you aligning yourselves with the cornerstone of this church, with aligning ourselves with Jesus. These represent the rejected stones, stones that are misaligned or are, that are misaligning us. 
So once again, as our time of confession, I invite you to bring your stone forward and set it down here. Rid yourself of it. Don't let yourself get rocked off your foundation. Grow more resilient. We do this because each week God invites us to bring to this sanctuary and place at the foot of the cross our burdens and our brokenness, our bruised and hurting self-image, our fears, our shame, our doubts, our anxieties, and all the things that are separating us from God. So come as you are ready, place all that you have rejected at the foot of the cross. Amen.